0: Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. In recessionary times, the middle gets squeezed. What does that mean? So in recessionary times, generally, there's less money available, albeit right now it seems to be the most liquid recession in living memory and when people are uncertain so actually let's not talk about access to capital when people are uncertain about the future they're less likely to spend but when they need to make a transaction okay sometimes people go money's tight i want the cheapest so they negotiate harder they cut out costs so margins are squeezed customers may flood to the low-cost providers right that makes sense however it's the middle that gets squeezed because actually when people are unsure, they need to see, uh, feel a greater certainty of success. So recession growth strategy number one was super niching. Recession growth strategy number two is strategic alliances. Recession growth strategy number three is bolt-on acquisitions. What does this mean and then why is it important? So a bolt-on acquisition is buying another company and putting it together with what you've already got. Now, it can take a variety of different forms, which is beyond the capacity of what we're going to do in this brief summary. But effectively, the reason why it's important is in recessionary times, the sum is greater than its parts. So the concept behind mergers and acquisitions in general is if you take two businesses and put them together, their revenues typically are higher than the combination because of cross-sell opportunities and their expenses often go down because there's synergies and save costs. They don't need two accountants. They don't need two office spaces. They can combine to one, right? So therefore, revenue goes up, cost goes down. Therefore, the profit is much greater and the company is larger and typically more stable. So the multiple goes up, okay? So that's the concept of mergers and acquisitions. Now, normally, there is a lot, uh, of risk that can go with the transaction, okay? There, There can be a lot of risk which you have to figure out how to handle. Now, the reason why this is a recession growth strategy especially is when everybody's hurting, typically asset prices go down, typically. And the reason why I say typically is because it's such a weird recession with so much liquidity being pumped into the markets. That may not be the case this time, albeit I would strongly suspect it is, and it already shows up in certain industries before others, but we've got asset prices go down. So I think it was in April, the number of cars sold, it was either April or May. The number of cars, new cars that were registered in either April or May this year was the lowest number of cars that had been registered in an April or May since 1945. Talk about that. You know, a few masterminds ago, I gave you a lecture about buying cars. It's fucking crazy and don't do it. But the point being, can you get a very, very, very good deal in a car if you want to? The answer is yes, because they're desperate for the sales because supply and demand dictate price. Okay, so if a company is weakened, its price goes down. The price of businesses for sale goes down significantly. And if those assets in your hands are more valuable, there can be tremendous leverage. Now, that could take the form of distressed acquisition, i.e. a business is literally gonna fail. It's gonna go under, it's insolvent. Okay, and don't worry about the difference terminology, but we, you know, whether it's in administration or whether it's going through all liquidation, or, but you can, get, you can buy those assets for pennies in the pound. So Jim Radcliffe, two years ago, was the richest man in the UK. I, do, I don't remember what his net worth was, but in his book, The Alchemists, he documents how he did it. And basically, it was buying unwanted or unloved assets for about 30p in the pound. So he's got the largest privately held company. I forget what the revenues are. I want to say it's 60 billion a year. I could be off on that, but that's the numbers. Either way, it's quite a lot of money, right? And fundamentally, all he did is all petrochemicals. So he's got massive production facilities. He buys them off people like BP and... Big oil companies, when they don't want certain refineries, it's no longer part of their strategic plan. They sell it off cheap to get it off and get rid of the cost of running those plants and he figures out how to make them work more efficiently, gives them a low ball offer. Metaphorically, it's like you find somebody that's desperate to sell their house, And he he offers them 30% of the house's value. And the company goes, yeah, we want to sell this house because it's costing us so much money every month and we're going to go broke if we don't. So bolt-on Acquisitions is saying, right now, I'm telling you, hands down, I just want to reinforce how damn well this room is doing. Exceptionally well compared to the small business market out there. And there are competitors of yours that are desperately hurting, and you you can figure out a way to merge the companies together or buy bits of their companies or do a whole host of different ways that it could be done, where where you can bolt on their revenue into your business and you get the profit and it's cheap, and it'll give you much more rapid scalability than virtually anything else, if it's done the right way. I mean, the ideal business would actually Why you can buy businesses that are distressed and you can follow insolvency law to buy the good bits of the assets and leave behind the debt and things like that. It's quite technical. We've got a skill day coming up on this topic, but it's not just about distressed acquisition. It's about mergers and acquisitions in general. If you could choose, you'd choose to buy a good business, but the owner's distressed, so they need to sell. Right? Because if the business is distressed, it's got problems, it's got debt, you need to cut off costs, you need to cut off product lines, you need to close the site, you need to make some people in order for it to work. We can do all that if you have the skills that the current owner doesn't have. Okay, great. But actually, if the business is just printing money, it's good, it's solid, it's stable, it's got a high BPM score, metaphorically, going back to this housing metaphor, it's like somebody's got a house, but they need to move abroad for work, so they need to sell it now so they're willing to take a discount on the price because they need to get out of the country. Okay, great, but the house is in perfect condition. That's probably an easier transaction than one where it's a great house, but it needs all the electrics rewiring, because unless you know how the electrics work and the likely costs, there's risk that you could buy just a cluster mess. Anyway, um, he said the secret, I'm paraphrasing slightly, I think, uh, the secret to success is knowing something the competition doesn't know. It feels like a grown-up concept. But it only feels like a grown-up thing and a complex thing because it is complex if you don't know how to do it. Right? And that inherently, if the current owner is struggling or whatever, but you know how to solve that problem, that's where all the leverage is. That's where all the significant upside is. But you're shooting yourself in the foot if you just think you know how to fix it and you don't. And you overlook something. There's something you don't see that screws everything up. And that's the power of mastermind and getting around deal flow. So an example of Simon. So Simon is a guy who I very proactively pursued him to build a relationship because I know a lot compared to most business owners on mergers and acquisitions. He's forgotten more than I know on the whole topic. Like he's done it for breakfast, he's done it for like he's eaten it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for forty years. It's like or nearly forty years. Right? It's like okay, good. And then I did one transaction shortly after we became friends, and I said, "Oh, I'm doing this," and he went, "Yeah." I just changed this one bit and that one bit saved my ass and made me a fortune. And with him, it was like a, remember going to that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just do that. I was like, oh my. <laughs> so the summary, three recession growth strategies. So I said that these are three strategies that work at any time, but are particularly work even better in recessionary times that we are in. We've had the sharpest downturn in GDP in history and we don't know, and we're obviously in a recession, we just don't know how long it's gonna continue for, okay? So, first strategy we spoke about was super niching. Saying, okay, the middle gets squeezed. Pareto principle, Pareto squared. Who are the ideal clients? What are the ideal product lines? Where is the money being made? People are after a certainty of success. Strategy number two is strategic partnerships or strategic alliances. So it carries over from super niching in that people are after the certainty, how, how do you get it? you piggyback on somebody else's to get access to new markets? Where can you share things? I assure you, whatever you see as being your biggest problem, I can't get leads, I don't have the right products, or whatever it is, what you're desperate for and have no clue to solve, there is somebody out there that has it in massive abundance that would practically give it to you for free. Massive upside opportunities. And strategic partnerships on steroids... You could say, it's a different way of saying, okay, bolt on acquisitions or mergers. The sum is greater than the parts. The strategic partnership, that's how I bought my first gym. I found somebody that had a pain, that was struggling, that didn't have any profit. They went from 20 grand's profit to 140 or whatever in two years. Why? Basically, I coached him for two hours a month, right? And for that, I got 50% of the company. Worked out all right for me, and I'd say all right for him. Albeit well, he wasn't best pleased when he had to buy me back out. But it worked. And that was a, str- you could argue that was a hybrid of a strategic partnership that transitioned into an acquisition of a company. Okay? All those three strategies are powerful. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turn Over Vanity. Profit is Sanity, nine and a half steps to improving your profits and cash flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.